Coming up, US senators start taking an interest in ad fraud. Publicist re-establishes strategic relationships with Walmart. And we look at the dreaded e-auction. Hello and welcome to ID.com's Media Snack, episode 34. Uh, Today, uh, interesting news coming out of the US. A couple of US senators are starting to take an interest in ad fraud. Yes. Uh, We hear that Publicis and Walmart have established a strategic relationship. Yeah. And finally, we'll look at one of the bugbears of media agencies is having to go through e-auctions as part of the pitching process. Uh, and we'll discuss the pros and cons of that. Mm-hmm. All coming up in today's Media Snack in just the time it takes to eat a sandwich. Right, first up this week, uh, quite a big story actually that's uh, come out of the US. Um, two US senators have written a letter to the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission. That's right. um, and their quest- they've written a list of questions uh, of the FTC asking them about the threat of ad fraud and the impact that that could have on the advertising industry but most importantly i think onto consumers that's right yeah so so in the us uh you know online advertising uh is is a 60 billion dollar business estimates have it that 10 percent of that so uh, around 7 billion is actually siphoned off good maths yeah thank you uh, is siphoned off through ad fraud. So yeah. it's a massive, massive issue, not just for the industry, but also it's a massive lump of change. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is probably what's, what's raised the, the heckles of, uh, of the, the senators. Yeah, um, and it's something that we've been perhaps anticipating might eventually happen at some point, given the, given the you know, concerns over, for, over a lot of practice in advertising yeah. and, then, and the sheer numbers involved um, at some point politics is going to maybe find this an interesting thing to start championing. Um, You know, uh, and I think that one of the biggest concerns that they raise, and now the FBI are getting involved, uh, is that the prediction is that within 10 years, ad fraud will be the second largest funder of organized crime uh, in the US behind drug trafficking. Mm. So we're, you know, as an industry, we're really kind of up there in terms of uh, you know, right. integrity and credibility. Um, that's obviously a massive concern. Politicians have got involved. Of course, there's a heightened political focus in the US at the moment. Um, this, I'm sure, would be a good story to tell uh, you know, if they can start to draw parallels between some of the world's largest advertisers mm. uh, and how they may be funding organized crime. That that's plays right. out, you'd imagine, uh, incredibly well. And so, but it's also a parallel with the financial market. So the last time that they got heavily involved in in an issue similar to this was in the regulations of the of the the, the financial marketplace, and look what happened there. So uh, essentially, they are putting a spotlight on the industry Mm -hmm. to uh, up their game and address this massive issue. Yeah. So I mean, what what do you think will be the reaction of the the marketing community? Well, the, the, um, I mean, the first thing is that the senators have written a letter to the FTC and the cha- they're challenging the FTC to start making some investigation. Mm-hmm. And this is on ad fraud. Um, I guess it's only a matter of time before a senator or someone at the FTC reads also the ANA rebate report and maybe starts to draw some parallels um, with these things. And so that's, that's 
probably pretty bad news, I suppose, for the agency. It's not that they're necessarily doing anything wrong, but it's an additional focus. Yeah. Um, from a marketer's perspective, uh, you know, there, there's a brilliant piece of wording in the letter that the senator sent to the FTC, which is where, where they say that marketers should focus on events, i.e. outcomes of their investments in advertising, mm. which cannot be fulfilled by robots, yeah, which right. is such a nice way of putting it. It's mm. a lovely external perspective of our industry. You know, why are we chasing metrics as an industry which can be fulfilled by fraud? Yeah, right. Why aren't we focusing on metrics which require a human action, not a, not a bot action? And actually, that's such a simple way yeah. of looking at it. So, you know, why are marketers not setting better KPIs for digital advertising, why are agencies who are supposed to be guardians of that investment not helping them set KPIs to optimise, at the very least, human action and minimise robot action? Yeah. But it seems to be going the other way. That's right. So why, you know, that, that's something which perhaps additional FTC focus on this uh, might help us understand uh, and put pressure, I think, in the yeah. right places, right? That's it's going to put pressure on the advertising community to account for the $7 billion that's finding its, finding its way into organised crime. Absolutely. It's a, a serious issue. It's a big issue. And, and I think, if anything, that this will uh, prevent the community, the, ind the industry, the advertising community from ignoring this issue any further. Yeah. They are going to have to yeah. uh, address it, they're going to have to confront this issue. It's not just going to be the responsibility of, of publishers or agencies, it'll have to be a collective responsibility yeah. and, uh, and this won't go away until you know, the, the issue is resolved. Yeah, I agree. So next up, uh, Walmart, the massive US retailer. Mm -hmm has forged a strategic relationship with Publicist Group. Yep. Okay, so they've had a long-standing relationship with Saatchi and Saatchi uh, uh, and the Martin Agency. Uh, now, on the back of this news, the Martin Agency have lost all creative scope yeah. and all of that has now been given to Publicist, yep. their creative agencies. So, uh, you know, a, a re-establishment of a very deep, long-standing kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, what I think makes it newsworthy is that actually publicists lost the media for Walmart mm -hmm. uh, at the end of last year as part yeah. of the kind of media palooza piece. Yeah. Um, do we know where that? Actually no, I don't think. I still don't think we know uh, where that ended up. No. We'll make an appeal. Actually, if anybody knows uh, what Walmart may may have misplaced their one billion dollar media account, nobody seems to know quite where it's gone. Yeah. Uh, so if you know where that is, please let us know, and we'll pass on the information. Um, but we don't know, you know, it's, it's some recompense, this, yeah. for publicists having, we think, lost, MediaVest have lost the, the billion dollars worth of media billings, um, but have gained a lot of this new creative scope. The, of course, publicists are saying this is a great validation, right, of their new positioning, which we've discussed at length. Um, I think, it, and I think perhaps it is to some degree, I don't think they can say that this is over, you know, necessarily a total proof. Uh, because it's one client, mm. uh, and a one. albeit a very big one, uh, with that endorsement, and you know we'll wait to see. Hopefully, publicists can make that profitable. That will be the, the real validation. And secondly, uh, if more importantly, yeah. that it drives a client's business success. Yeah. Um, that will be the actual validation. Uh, but I think I think it, you know it's it's an interesting creates an interesting dynamic. It could be the indication mm -hmm. 
of a trend? I mean, those are some of the questions that we've been asked. Um, is this a trend of advertisers seeking to bring all of their different agency requirements into one group? Yeah. Um, and I think the publicist structure was really aimed at trying to do that. Yeah. And I think what they did, we discussed before, what they did, was, which was very, very smart, I think, was to go out with a very clear message of being customer-focused, advertiser-focused, and to structure around service yeah. to those clients, which I think historically might have been missing from a, the group propositions where you had very broad menu of services that maybe couldn't collaborate. So if publicists can bring this together with a good service proposition, we, this could be the beginning or a good validation of this more agile yeah. group structures where you know, these deep resources that they have can be better mobilized around a particular client's um, client's requirement. And I think, I mean, from a, from a marketing perspective or from Walmart's perspective, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'd imagine, given that they're a, a retailer that has, you know, a complex arrangement of kind of service providers, yeah. being able to uh, manage their, their, uh, their vendors, if you like, uh, their portfolio of kind of communication suppliers, yeah. simply within one holding group, that has a, a clear management structure and yeah. authority makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And obviously they've got a lot of trust, they have a, a legacy relationship with publicists, yeah. uh, and they've convinced them that this new structure is gonna, is gonna pay dividends, yeah. and is gonna you know, generate a smoother way of working for them, yeah. and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, the implications on, on media uh, at this stage, we're not quite sure, no. uh, but, uh, but from a creative perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense. It does. And we, we hear a lot, I mean, a frequent moan of very senior marketers uh, is that they don't get enough time to grow their brands because they spend far too much time trying to manage a complex agency roster. We hear yeah. it again and again and again, and if only that was easier. Mm. And the response typically from agencies is, you know, we need to find better ways of collaborating. You go to any conference, there's always a session on how do agencies collaborate better, and it just becomes a bit kind of predictable. Mm. Um, if anything, this starts to say, Actually, you know what, marketers don't, are not mostly looking for collaboration necessarily. Mm. Uh, you know, if agencies are smart, then they can take all the Absolutely. scope and make it work internally. Because they're looking for ease of management, I think, yeah. in, a lot of, in a lot of cases, to allow them yeah. to do their day jobs. Exactly. Um, the proof will be in the, in the client results, ultimately. Okay, finally, today, uh, e-auctions. Oof, yes. You, li you like e-auctions? I love e-auctions. Love e-auctions. Um, so just in case you're not aware, an e-auction uh, is typically a piece of software yeah. that a buyer may use yeah. to evaluate supplier submissions, yeah. typically, which is perfectly sensible, try and find uh, balanced cost and quality. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying a commodity, um, you might ask suppliers to put in their best prices versus different products of quality and things yeah. like that. Um, and then you pick a supplier. Yeah. And there are a number of systems. A lot of large companies around the world use these for managing all their external suppliers. The reason that it's interesting, and the reason that we want to talk about today, is because over the years, they've become increasingly a part of media agency pitches. That's right. And some of the ones that we've worked on have included these kind of technologies. And we've worked with clients that use these technologies, That's I should right. say, not necessarily on our recommendation, I might mm -hmm. add. Um, but what's the impact? It's kind of got the news yeah. kind of buzzing again. So, uh, 
so uh, Steve Allen, uh, who is the chief executive of Medicom, yeah. uh, has been very vocal about uh, a knee auction process that was conducted for the recent VW review where yeah. they were unsuccessful. Yeah, because they, the, they were the massive incumbent they were and they incumbent. lost this two, $2 billion dollar huge loss, piece of billings loss to them. And, and you know, the, the criticism was that a big uh, proportion of the weighting of that decision yeah. was down to the costs that were generated through this kind of e-auction yep. system. Uh, and and it, it happens in, in, in a lot of reviews. Uh, a lot of large organizations have to be compliant through some form of e-sourcing mechanic. Yeah. That's not unusual. Yeah. Um, and as more and more reviews are managed through procurement departments, they use these systems, like mTaurus is a, is a relatively yeah. well-known one, to uh, facilitate the investment exercise part of a, a yeah. review. Now, the, the, the problem with that is that it encourages a race at the bottom. Yeah. So, Particularly uh, where it's blind as well. And absolutely. I think that was Steve's criticism. Yeah. Where you can't see where you're aiming at and you're just asked to go lower and lower. Yeah. And, and the experience that we've had sometimes on the other side of those is you get either some traffic light system that tells you that you're off and you have to just keep going down, yeah. down, down until it goes green. Or uh, it tells you where you rank, even yeah. worse. So, so you are, perhaps there are four agencies participating in this review. You put your figure in. Uh, you you have a, you come first, and then within seconds you're fourth again. Yeah. So then you are challenged to provide uh, a different price in order to improve your ranking within yeah. the auction, and that obviously facilitates uh, a, you know a race to the bottom. Yeah. And that's yeah. the greatest sort of challenge, and that's the greatest concern. And we we do everything we can to discourage or dissuade clients that we work with throughout this process, throughout pitch processes. To, to use an e-auction. Yeah. Um, there are far better, more effective ways, I think, of establishing a, uh, a competitive trading position than, yeah. than using uh, a system And that, like that's that. the fundamental. You know, the ambition from a marketer perspective, when you talk about media spend, should be, your aspiration should be to reach a competitive cost position. Yeah. Um, the, the challenge with the, the approach, particularly using a, an e-auction system, is that it treats media like a commodity that can be bought cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Now, if you're buying a raw material, let's just say you're buying you know, aluminium to put on in drinks cans or you're buying you know, paper for packaging or some raw materials, then typically you're buying that from the supplier of those commodities. Yeah. So from an aluminium supplier or paper supplier, whoever it is, and they will know their baseline costs. They will know where their margins sit and they will know how low they can go. And then it's up to them to, to make the decision of how low they want to go on the price. Yeah. And that's perfectly good diligence from a, from a procurement organization to say, based on a quality spec, this we want to pay the lowest price. And so we'll have people tender for that. Mm -hmm. It makes complete sense. The difficulty of media is it's an intangible commodity. Yeah. It doesn't actually exist. So you don't, and, so, and in many countries in the world, you don't know what the price is of something till it has appeared or that it's broadcast or it's issued. Um, and secondly, agencies don't own that commodity. Some examples they do, but we'll come to those in a minute. But generally, agencies, they don't own it. They are acting as agents. They are part of the procurement process. Um, so that's why it's slightly strange putting media agencies in, this, in, a, in a, uh, a blind auction because they're having to commit ever lower and lower and lower prices for something which of which they do not control. So it's a gamble. And they don't know that and they don't they don't necessarily 
are not supposed to, make a margin on that inventory. So all they're doing is representing what they think they can buy it for, mm. which is really a gamble. It's just yeah. gambling. And for the agencies that race to the bottom, they are staking millions or hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes on a complete gamble. Yeah, yeah. And that which is, they've been forced to take, in fairness. Yeah, they have no option because the, they're being told by the system and by those processes, this is the only way that you can win Volkswagen's business, for example, is if you go to, if you're the cheapest. Yeah. And agencies are having to commit themselves to be the cheapest on something that they don't know the price of, yeah. which is, which is risky, you could say, always reckless mm. um, in, in some examples. And the impact of that is that a client might walk away and say, wow, we've got amazing commitment on cost savings. We've got a hugely cheap media. But then the agency on the back end, having won that piece of business, having frankly gambled in this system, yeah. completely blind often, uh, then have to are held to account for delivery. Yeah. And that's where time and time and time again, then it goes off the rails because the agency have to do nothing but deliver the the discounts yeah. and so all the resources of the agency are focused on try, trying to somehow deliver a deal which they have committed themselves to yeah. without really knowing how to deliver it. And then it compromises neutrality of thinking yeah. and quality and, and all of the no things. There's no planning happens. Absolutely. But I, I, I hold, uh, n not responsible, but I, I, you know, there is some accountability uh, for this. Uh, on the, the shoulders of the auditing community, yeah. the, the community, the, the industry that, uh, you know, designs and facilitates the, the exercises themselves. Yeah. You know, I think that they are, you know, it is beholden on those, those lead kind of stakeholders to make it very clear to clients mm -hmm. when these prices are going below uh, a, a reasonable watermark. Yeah. When agencies in order to kind of chase success in these auctions are going to truly exceptional places mm. where the auditors perhaps you know uh, you know don't believe that the the pricing can be delivered yeah. they should then hold their hands up and make that very clear to the clients yeah not encourage ever cheaper Absolutely. and cheaper and not keep adding like rounds of negotiation where to further squeeze it i yeah. mean because it only encourages uh, you know agencies to take their pricing to places that frankly speaking they won't be able to deliver on yeah. in many cases yeah. uh, and and it and it it just further compounds the the issues that we've got around yeah. you know trust and transparency yeah and you can't be i don't know if anyone's ever proven this but i think you cannot be ever in a race to the top as a marketer wanting to grow your brands and beat your competition and at the same time be on a race to the bottom. No. Um, you know, you have to, as a marketer, you have to, and as an organisation, you have to decide: Do we want to grow our business? Is leave is media this kind of leave an investment and a lever for growth? In which case, we don't want to buy the cheapest possible commoditised media. What we want to do is buy the right media that mm -hmm. does the right thing, drives an outcome, and we want to pay the, the right and a fair price. And that's the auditor's responsibility to help understand what the fair price is Absolutely. for that media inventory based on what the client's trying to do. And it comes all the way back to something that we obsess about, which is this equilibrium, yeah. right? And we see it in, in some bad pitches. We see this in general practice sometimes uh, of media management, is that the over-reliance on cost and discount being the indicator of success in media. Yeah. 
that if you can buy cheaper, that that's a win somehow, um, is completely out of kilter when there's no strategy, insight, or planning. So you don't actually know whether you're buying the right thing, mm. you're just buying a ton of stuff cheaper. Yeah. That's not a strategy no. for success. That's not a race to the top, that's a race to the bottom. Absolutely. These things have to be in, in better equilibrium. Um, and so, you know, when we run pitches, obviously, as you know, uh, you know, the, the strategic and the service elements from the, from the, uh, of the review have to be considered very holistically yeah. with the commercial side, and then both of them make up the total package and value yeah. of the agency that you want to buy. Uh, and, and you, you know, it's our challenge often, isn't it, to marketers, you know, don't get seduced by yeah. the extreme low cost race to the bottom, unless that's really your strategy, in which mm -hmm. case, good luck, good luck yeah. to that. But, uh, you, know, you have to find the, the, the correct balance. Absolutely, because that causes more, more issues than it, yeah. than it, than it solves, yeah. for sure. And auditors alone are so obsessing so much about the reduction in cost and yeah. championing the reduction of cost and, and discount that I think that they, that they have a, a duty, we all do, to try and write that balance yeah. a bit more. I agree. Okay, that's all for this week. Please subscribe to the channel to be updated each week with new content. Uh, bye for now. Have a good weekend.